Okay, I think we're live. We should be live, hopefully. Hello. Hi, <laughs> hi uh, Fabian. Hi, everyone. I, I'll never get used to it. Never. This is like, I don't know, the, the 18th episode and still I'm, I'm really not used to it. <laughs> um, okay, I see some, some people um, joining us. Hi. I have, I have to apologize. Maybe I made the start worse because just before the show, I was telling him about uh, an incident I had with an interview where I completely blanked and made a made the situation very awkward. Thank you so and much. So, <laughs> and so maybe I just made this worse by telling this. No, no, that's okay. Anyway, you're the star tonight. So uh, no matter what, what I, I do or uh, say, right? Um, okay, I, I guess. Hi, hi, everyone. I see some people um, uh, writing something in the chat. By the way go uh go for it write stuff in the chat because we're going to have a look at that and uh hopefully you know uh we can interact a little bit during the the conversation um okay so uh this i, I think I, I should start with the official introduction hi everyone and this if this is the first time you watch this this is the security bread podcast i'm giorgio Bertigone, and uh, i do this from uh, some months now where i basically you know uh force myself to read some news from the industry and I invite, I try to invite cool people like, you know, uh, Fabian this type or maybe, or, uh, you know, uh, for sure everyone will, will know you like uh, Live Overflow, uh, like, you know, the name over your uh, YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, Fabian is today with me to have a little conversation um, uh, because we collected a list of uh, uh, security news from the last week and we will just have a chat uh, about them and hopefully you know we can have a chat also with the uh, with you people you know watching this live um uh, Fabian, would you want to i don't know if you need it but do you want to introduce yourself a little bit sure yeah my name is fabian i work as a penetration tester doing mostly code audits and so forth for web applications so more like application security i guess um, and on the site for the past around eight years or so i've been running the live overflow youtube channel and other social media like on twitter uh, so that's maybe where you have uh, seen my name or face um, around yeah so i love it security and i especially love like the technical details uh, vulnerabilities discovering vulnerabilities and i like to make videos about that and yeah so so that's me yeah yeah, and uh, and I was just saying this before going live, but uh, you were you and uh, you know a bunch of other people uh, started you know uh, were the first content creators in the in the industry uh, and are like a, a very uh, inspiration like for for people like me who are just starting this. So, by the way, thank you for for everything everything you you do, right? Even if Thanks. you know you just enjoy it and you, maybe you just do it because you like it, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So I think we we can get it started. Uh, this is this is the plan. So I'm going to share my screen here. Yes, and everyone should be able to see it. And yeah, I'll briefly introduce introduce uh, the 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 article that we're going to talk about, and then yeah, just let's see what what we have uh, to say about it. So this is the first one. Um, this this article talks about uh, Intel. Uh, you surely know Intel, but uh, they are probably the biggest company who build and you know uh, sell chips, uh, you know CPUs uh, or 
um, graphic cards and so on and so forth. Uh, they they definitely have you know biggest the biggest part of the market. So most you know I think computers out there actually have an Intel uh, CPU, and um, Intel was um, you know in the news uh, multiple times in the in the last years because of some big vulnerabilities that some researchers you know uh, found in their in their hardware, and uh, they are big exactly because you know those chips are everywhere. Right. So if a vulnerability affects that specific uh, CPU, it means that potentially all of the computers that have the, that kind of CPU in, in it or, you know, the same family of CPUs. So actually, it's not just a single one, but, a, um, you know, a list of different products with the, with the same architecture, maybe, uh, you know, you also make um, thousands or, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of computers out there vulnerable uh, with, the, with a single vulnerability. Um, some of those vulnerabilities that were very, very well known at some point were Spectre and Meltdown. Probably some of you already uh, heard about them. Um, I think they are mostly called side channel uh, vulnerabilities, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. It, it depends on who you ask. Uh, some call it side channel. And I believe the Intel official term is um, uh, data sampling vulnerabilities. Oh. Um, okay. But, yeah, I mean. Just the no, no, I think it's actually interesting. I think there's a we as an industry we actually have uh, some issues in uh, you know uh, giving names and terms to to things. Right, um, there are so many different names for the same stuff, and and sometimes it gets. Uh, yeah. I mean, confusing. you're absolutely right. It is a side channel. I'm just okay. saying it's not the uh, it's not the wrong term. I'm just saying that like the Intel, like how Intel likes to yeah, talk yeah. about it, like they they call it MDS. Okay. Uh, micro architectural yeah. data sampling, but that is side channel. So you're absolutely right. I, I was just trying to be as smart as. No, no, no. no, no that, that's actually super interesting. As I said, you know, we always have uh, multiple terms for the same things, and um, maybe I, I didn't know about that right now. And uh, there will be many people out there which you know uh, maybe never heard about it, and maybe they think they are two separate things because it's the first time they hear about it, right? So we actually, I think we should have um, a little more effort as an industry to, uh, you know, um, make things clear uh, when it comes to, you know, technical things. Uh, anyway, um, you know, back, back, to the, back to the article, we, we had a list of this kind of vulnerabilities in the past, in the past few years, I think, like five or six years. And after uh, the first one, there were... Uh, new vulnerabilities that were pretty similar to the previous ones, and every time Intel had to, you know, find um, uh, workarounds or patches for their uh, for their uh, technology, because you know the, the CPU are there, right? You cannot just replace all the CPUs after you find a vulnerability. And um, you know there was uh, yet another one, I think, a few months ago that was uh, um, published during Black Hat. I don't remember the name. It should be there somewhere. That's the, the one market. actually that you are looking at right now. It's the downfall. Uh, oh, downfall. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's the yeah. name. Thank you so much. Um, and, and you know, okay, we have another vulnerability. It could be very, very big. Uh, of course, it depends because they are actually uh, pretty um, uh, difficult to perpetrate, right, in a, an attack, right? 
Uh, it's not like someone, you know, everyone or me can just go there and and, uh, and exploit that kind of vulnerability. It's it's pretty difficult, but still potentially it's very very uh, harmful. Uh, mostly, I think um, they can lead to uh, data that exfiltration, right, from uh, yeah. uh, different users I, in the same environment, something like that. Exactly. So I think that's the important thing to understand about these vulnerabilities is that uh, when we say like all these CPUs are vulnerable, it doesn't really matter too much about like your desktop uh, PC. There, we with a small asterisk, uh, we maybe yeah. talk about this. Uh, I can add to that, but the the really impactful and problematic issues are the shared CPUs uh, in big data centers and cloud yeah. computing, and especially on these kind of servers we have the most critical applications right like on these servers there are the, the databases uh, from all different kind of online services are running um, we have the authentication the passwords like everything is running on these servers you know everything that is important uh, for these businesses and so if you have a vulnerability in a cpu that allows you to leak data from other code running on the same cpu because these cpus might be shared in a cloud environment between different customers um, that can be can have extremely serious issues um and so for it's very it's very uh, critical for in, in in that kind of environment however and i guess uh, we also um can discuss about uh, he, this in this case yeah. a little bit because in in this article it um, talks about a lawsuit being filed against Intel, mm -hmm. um, claiming uh, or not claiming but saying that, oh yeah I guess claiming uh, that uh, Intel knew about uh, that they were uh, selling insecure CPUs and I find this actually kind of a very interesting um, discussion to have. Mm. Uh, is it is um, is it malicious what intel does or did or like how do we feel about that do you have a, yeah. um, a emotional initial intuitive feeling about this yeah i i don't know it, this is definitely a difficult topic right so we have um actually it's not specified by a, a bunch of bunch of people it's it's actually a class action right so multiple people suing uh the company for the same reason and uh, th the point is that okay you intel had uh, multiple vulnerabilities during the time kind of the same category kind of the same type of vulnerability so that their claim is that means that you don't work enough to fix the this, those kind of issues in general and you keep pushing into the market or you keep selling stuff that is going to be vulnerable at some point because you don't put enough effort this is the the, the climb right from um um the sewers, I'm not really sure how, how, to, how to call them. Um, so uh, it's tricky, right? It's true that they had multiple vulnerabilities, but I think, uh, you know, everyone, uh, you know, whoever, uh, uh, you know, that sells hardware or software, it's always introducing new vulnerabilities just because they are um, uh, creating code. And, and, you, and you, if you code, of course, you're going to, also, uh, you know, in, like you don't want to do it, but you're going to um, put some bugs in there. You're going to put some vulnerabilities in there. That's, at some point, someone is going to discover and, you know, and you should fix it. This is just the way uh, software and, and code in general, uh, you know, is. Yeah. Okay. But the claim here. Yeah. 
but, but but the claim here is that Intel willing like knew that they were insecure. It's not like that. You know, you have some bugs that you don't know about, and maybe they get discovered later. The claim here is uh, that uh, we can assume Intel knew that there are uh, security mm. issues and still put out um, these these products. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you know that that is difficult. We don't know, of course, right? We don't know for yeah. sure whether they really knew about the vulnerability before selling the uh, the hardware and everything. If that's true, right? If they knew exactly about that vulnerability and still sold the um, the CPU, okay, that's big and that's a very bad thing in my point of view. But my my perception here is that if we are not one hundred percent sure, if this is just based on the fact that okay. You continuously have the same kind of vulnerabilities, so you just don't uh, work enough, let's say. Mm. That's kind of too big. And at least it's too big if we if we go into, you know, people suing companies to, to get refunds. You know, if, you know, all the people out there using a software go and uh, start suing companies to have refunds or, uh, you know, uh, 10000 of dollars, I think, this time. Mm. Um for every single, you know, uh, consumer, that I think that's a little bit, little too much. That that's going to break the entire industry, mm. right? Uh, yeah. Of course, Intel cannot afford to give the ten thousand dollars to every person who buy uh, a CPU, right? On the other hand, in like in real products and uh, so regular consumer products, may, maybe even a car, if you would find a car to be inherently insecure because they really like they they screwed up something with the brakes and they yeah. are braking or something, then yeah. the customer or the company will be forced to recall and maybe pay damages if something has come. So in the end, I'm absolutely right. Like we don't know yet, right? It's a lawsuit and it will be... Um, tested uh, whether um, whether there was malicious intent I guess willingly um, selling it and how bad it was but then yeah. here's me being a devil's advocate as well um, uh, is it really as bad as for example brakes failing on on a car and are there ways how a customer can still mitigate these issues because as we we briefly mentioned um, this these issues are only an issue if two different customers are running on the same CPU, often not even the same CPU, but the same core on that yeah. CPU. Your CPU has many cores, right? So um, if you are a large enterprise and you rent even cloud services, then yeah. oftentimes you are even like running on your dedicated CPUs. I, I feel like like how exposed is that threat model really it is a problem it is something that um you know cloud providers have to address and think about but for example i believe from talking to uh, google researchers about these um, uh, cpu vulnerabilities by the way i uh, recently made a video about uh, one of these cpu vulnerabilities from google researchers they for example um, as far as i understand um, and they, I'm sure there are technical like intricacies here, but they bind individual customers on CPUs and cores so that you yeah. just by definition not have like multiple uh, customers uh, exposed to the same core. It might still be an issue because maybe there are some privileged Google processes running on the same core or something. So maybe you can, I, think, I don't know, it gets complicated. But what I'm saying yeah. is like, is it really? I mean, I understand these issues are bad and these are vulnerabilities and they should be fixed. 
but they we are talking about a very specific threat surface and a tech surface that also a big uh, cloud um, company might have to address in different ways like can we just maybe accept that these that uh running on the same cpu core is not as like we could also just define yeah there's no security boundary here as mm. as soon as two programs run on the same cpu core uh you have to consider that to be compromised we could just define it that way and then we have to work around it so and and, and to be honest actually i'm wondering why not intel just um says that or something i don't know i feel like just define it this way and then the customers buying the hardware they have to make the decision whether they want to buy the hardware with this thing and now one one last addition about the lawsuit for me it would be important if they knew then they should have talked about it i i don't mind that there are vulnerabilities and i understand it's hardware hard to fix and i don't think it's a bad or insecure product in some sense that you shouldn't buy because of it but if they knew about it they should be more public about it um, they are very public with the known vulnerabilities but if it's like really the case that they knew internally about security issues that they haven't publicly talked about and and said like this intel cpu firmware version whatever um has these issues um that i find then problematic and uh i i, I would hope that um you know through a lawsuit maybe in the future they are then transparent because the, yeah. Uh, you need to be transparent in order for a customer to also mitigate these things. If they don't know, they don't know. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I I kind of agree with everything you said. And uh, especially, you know, this, this kind of thing is very big if we start to talk about cloud providers, uh, especially, right? Because, you know, at least, you know, uh, in, in, my, in my job, um, uh, what I see is that, most of the big companies out there are pretty much all into the cloud, okay? Just because it's it's much more simpler to to build stuff uh, if you if you have everything ready and uh, you know mostly uh, arranged by by someone else. Um, so so that's big in that specific context, of course. At the same time, I don't feel that that this specific shoe uh, is done by any of those big providers because otherwise. The kind of you know um, you know amount of money they, they they were going to ask were very very much bigger right than uh, than what we can see here, uh, but as you said th there could be some workarounds. It could be not that bad for cloud providers just because they could you know uh, even uh, you know think any other vulnerabilities that are not discovered yet. I can just put some kind of workaround workaround like that and. Uh, you know, um, basically fix the issue. Uh, in in any case, of course, if you don't find another vulnerability in their workaround and so on and so forth. Um, on the other thing, I see a comment in there from Fabio that I'm just pushing in there. And uh, of course, you know, there are the like the middle companies, right? Not the consumers, not the very big cloud providers, but also, you know, someone in the middle who has to, maybe they have, like they cannot use the cloud services because there are uh, a list of different, uh, you know, um, uh, industries which cannot really use cloud services for, you know, uh, privacy-related things or uh, other other stuff as well. And they have to build still their own data centers. In that case, could be a little more trickier 
because you didn't have the same resources like Microsoft or AWS or Google have. Um, so, so you know, uh, it's it's difficult to find, uh, you know, um, the best answer to to everything. Uh, but that's yeah. also the, the the good thing with good questions, in my yeah. point of view, right? Uh, it's yeah. it's definitely a good discussion to have. That that's yeah. my 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 final. I thought. would also. I also feel like a little bit, maybe the cloud providers are also responsible because they understand how they run their cloud data centers. So if like Microsoft or Azure um, or Google Cloud or so, or AWS, once uh, vulnerabilities released, and I believe they somewhat do this now that I just talk about it. I, I think I remember seeing that they will say whether their cloud platform is affected by this. Um, and so it would be really interesting, but also to hear about, you know, how, how do they mitigate it? Why are they not affected by this? What is their architectural decision, how they set everything up that this doesn't cause an issue. And then maybe a smaller company, a smaller, um, data center or a company that just has some servers, uh, at, in their office or something like this, like, is there something they can do or would need to, or could do or something, but yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like in that case, you are actually making them also responsible in some way for something that another company is actually doing. That I, I understand the, like the reasoning, the overall reasoning, but it, it starts to be a little tricky because how many companies you actually make responsible of transparency in in you know if you use the kind of uh, um, kind of reason i'm not sure no. like it's difficult to reach something like that it will be have some of course because if everyone you know starts just to contribute for for the overall community uh in, in that way of course everyone will benefit from it but i i think it's a little bit too you know um ideal mm -hmm. like something that we cannot really unfortunately uh reach right uh but yeah i i don't know definitely a, a very good uh, argument definitely a very good discussion to have and uh, i'm curious to see whether you know how this uh this thing will be um you know will will end right because if we have some kind of conclusion from this class action this will be like a, a precedent is that a word in english i hope so like yeah on but uh, there's also, I'm just Googling this right now because for Meltdown Inspector that you mentioned before, Intel also got sued. And those were the big first oh, vulnerabilities. Okay. And I was just wondering, uh, actually, did, did we have like a result of that? Um, and I'm just reading here uh, a, an article from last year that Intel was not able to throw out the the class action lawsuit uh, about Spectre and Meltdown. But so I don't know if they're in 2023, there have been more updates because I think that's a massive lawsuit that might drag out for a while. And I feel like we would have heard about the result if there were um, a result. And so in some sense, maybe this lawsuit is an extension of that, you know, like they can either piggyback off the previous lawsuit or the active lawsuit yeah. can say, look, like if, if this goes through, then they have arguments for the other one. I'm just reading here also Apple won class action over Spectre and Meltdown, apparently. So apparently Apple did sue Intel effect mm. because it was affecting Mac devices. Um, so yeah, it might be an interesting uh, topic for if anybody of you is interested in digging this more into it. Um, 
what it also means you know like as you say like a president um and of course intel is not the only one that is vulnerable to these kind of things um what whatever intel will suffer kind of will affect the other cpu vendors as well um i'm sure they are not more secure or no. don't they, yeah. they will have similar issues yeah absolutely this is just the biggest company and if you want to, to aim at something you want to aim at the biggest target right um no that, that that's very uh very interesting i actually really appreciate the fact that you know what you mentioned to the people that are watching you know if you want you really should dig a little deeper we don't have enough time to discuss you know everything we we should and could discuss about this and all of the other topics uh, we will chat about tonight uh, but what i'm going to do is to push into the uh, chat the link to this article and um, so you can you know uh, read it yourself you can um, you know, dig a little deeper, maybe. And if you want to share something, please do it because that's the way. You know, I'm doing this because I learned from it. I learned from Fabian in this, in this, you know, at this very moment, but also from you people that uh, you know push it back to me. All the things that I'm saying wrong, all the things that uh, I should know be before talking. Um, so please, please do that. Um, and um, if you if you don't know already, I'm actually going to re-upload. The recording from this episode later on uh, on YouTube, so I, I will actually put it in the description all of the articles we're going to talk about. Okay, so you can do your your own research and just not take what we say for granted, right? Okay, um, but I think this is enough for this article. I think um, you know we have a lot to, to still to talk about, so I'm going to push and move to the uh, to the next one. Um, just before you do it. Please, if you're watching this, if you're enjoying this, um, and if you want me to continue, <laughs> invite other people like Fabian, maybe try to invite Fabian once again at some point. We will discuss about that later. Um, you know, push that subscribe, follow, share, or whatever you know you have in front of you, because that that's the, the only thing I'm asking you, the only thing that just let me know that this is appreciated and I should do more. Okay, so that's it. Let's move to the next one. And um, this other news is actually somewhat related <clears throat> to the to the previous one, right? Um, I don't know. There's again a lot to talk about this, and uh, maybe we will take a lot of things for granted. I really like to make things very easy for everyone watching this, so I'm going to try to explain every you know acronym or term we use. But Essentially, we are talking about the CVSS, or you know, it, essentially, it's a, a system to score how bad a vulnerability is, right? We uh, we already spoke about vulnerability uh, the previous uh, news, but also, of course, in uh, all the previous episodes. And um, the big news here is that uh, the first, basically, the um, you know, association or organization behind uh, this scoring system, the CV, uh, CVSS. Which is pretty. I think it's the standard, of the, right? There's nothing li like it. We are all using the same um, scoring system, uh, pretty much. I know there are some uh, proprietary ones uh, from some companies, but mo you know the most standardized one, I think, is uh, is the CVSS. So basically, they pushed a new version, so the version four of CVSS, and put a um, you know a list of different changes a list of different updates uh, to these current systems. Um, but before we go deep on 
which kind of you know new updates were uh, were put. I, I want to talk a little about you know the, the scoring system in general. Like, why do we actually need a scoring system? Like for for someone new in the in the in the industry, you know, uh, maybe someone wants to do bug bug bounty or you know penetration testing. You just want to uh, search for a vulnerability. You want to find the vulnerability so that you know you can say, okay, I, I got in because I, I found the the hole in the defenses or something, right? Um, but on the other end, uh, the people who have to fix those vulnerabilities to uh, patch, you know, to, uh, to to install the the patches from the vendors, actually, you know, in most companies, have too many vulnerabilities to to handle, right? So uh, we, as an industry, we actually need a a way to prioritize those thousands of vulnerabilities found in the environment, so you can choose which one to to fix first. Right, and I personally, you know, I had to to handle that um, in my daily job uh, some time ago, and it's a very very big challenge. And I don't think any company out there is really able, you know, able one hundred percent to to handle everything. And it's it's difficult. It's confusing. There are so many vulnerabilities, uh, so many new vulnerabilities out there every day, also. Um, even just discovering which one do you have in your environment is is difficult, and and if you also have to to decide which one to fix and which one maybe to push it for later, uh, it's it's a it's a very big thing. Um, but I don't know. Do, do you see that as well? Do you do you think uh, this is something that actually helps having a scoring system or 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 not? Oh yeah, I don't even know where where I should start with this one. So. I have to make a few points. First of all, uh, mm -hmm. I personally have never really used CVSS ever. Okay. Uh, so that should prefix everything that I'm saying because okay. I speak with absolutely zero experience. That's okay. However, I do have judgmental opinions about it. And so you should keep in mind that I really don't have like much experience with it. So um, okay. I am very well aware that um, I, I could be very wrong with some of my... Uh, opinions but uh, I, I guess also what I want would like to prefix bef before I say anything is that I generally agree with you um, this um, that it's very difficult for a large organization to manage uh, their vulnerabilities and to prioritize uh, what to fix and for that I fully agree we need somehow measurable and comparable um, scoring systems uh, for for risk also um, I have never been in that position. Uh, I have personally no experience in that type of work. And so you mentioned that you have some experience where you can share uh, some more details um, how that helped you in, in that case. But uh, luckily, I've never been like in that position to deal with it. My experience with severity ratings is always from the position of somebody who finds vulnerabilities and I report them to clients. And when uh, we, so I work in a team uh, doing um, code audits and looking for vulnerabilities in, in the application of clients, uh, we generally have our own severity rating and we deliberately have it very simple. There's just informational, low, medium, high, and critical. And how do we decide what we assign to a vulnerability? Feeling. It's literally, that's how we do it. Um, because, uh, so 
Yeah, I don't know. So, so what? Maybe first of all, uh, maybe you could uh, share with people like what what is the problem with my feelings based approach okay. <laughs> to vulnerabilities uh, and verities? I don't know. You know, you're you're not the first one uh, that says something like that to me, right? Uh, I knew some other people, like uh, some other, uh, especially pen testers, right there, right? That just think that um, CVSS is it's too much complicated or just not helpful and they find their own way to measure okay this is the worst one right and you should fix this first but this is mostly or at least in my experience uh, a, a metric for the things you find in a in a single report right so you you do your own penetration test activity you find i don't know 10 vulnerabilities i'm just you know guessing that right and you put a metric to tell your customer, okay, from these 10 vulnerabilities that I found, this is the worst one, just fix this first, then this one, then this one, and so on and so forth, right? And, and that is completely fine. I think that's that's actually very, um, you know, appreciable from a penetration test, especially if you are, you know, a, you know, a contractor or individual person that you, um, you work with during that activity and maybe you don't hear from it from him from you know for for months or, or maybe more later because at least you know that single wrapper should be as effective as possible as usable as possible just you know the, the day after you do the activity so that's that's great but later on the same person who received the report received a lot of other reports from a lot of other penetration testers or maybe they also run their own vulnerability scans in their network and they find another hundred or maybe a thousand of other vulnerabilities. And they have to fix all of this together, right? Or again, this is for large companies. This is from my experience. And most of the time, that's what I see. Uh, I need as a, I don't know how they call it, like a vulnerability manager or something. I don't know what's the role, but I need something to measure everything in my environment and get a clearer view as possible. And I, I understand that's very difficult. I'm the first person saying that we don't have the key still, but that's what we're searching for, I think. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cannot be that simple when you have a thousand vulnerability instead yeah. instead of just 10 of them. I don't know if that I, makes sense. Yeah, I and, and from this... For for me, it's like a more like a theoretical standpoint. I agree. Uh, if if we, if we would have to be, or if we are able to assign an objective number that uh, tells us that helps us to prioritize issues, um, that is useful. But and and this is where I think, and this is I'm so sorry. Like my lack of experience might be showing here. So uh, if 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 I'm wrong, you know, I, I'm not speaking here from experience. I think these are, these are just different point yeah. of views. It's not lack of experience. Yeah. It, that that's that's yeah. okay. That's completely okay. I there, there are so many like if you like I have done CVSS like once or twice in my uh, career because like a customer deliberately requested please severities based on CVSS um, okay. scoring but then I have not used it before like I did not read I don't know the hundreds of pages of documentation and definitions how to define right. certain words and then now you're sitting there and you try to figure out what is applicable and affecting your score and then um this is just an example uh, from the top of my mind. Uh, there are things like 
the the rating is for example um influenced by whether there exists a public exploit or it's being um yeah. or, or not so right now with that question think about it um or let, let's make a context i find a vulnerability and report it to the customer i have obviously for this vulnerability create like it's known now to me how this vulnerability works it's a i have a script so yeah. for the cvss rating do i say there exists a public or there exists like a proof of concept exploit or not probably not because the company paid for it and i just shared it and of course i'm bound by ndas i will not share it publicly mm-hmm. but uh again like you start and and this just um, it might might not be have been the best example but i'm just saying there are tons and tons of these where you're unsure about the definitions and when what to choose and then the score somewhat becomes arbitrary like it it goes up by a point or maybe even two points depending on what you mm-hmm. click on on the scoring and maybe if like 10 people do it we get a nice average but then again i feel like we are getting back to low medium high yeah. like <laughs> then maybe like a fuzzy setting like this is like good enough and and that's what we always thought we thought it it's good enough we understand the client's application and in the context of this application we feel like this is a critical and we feel like this yeah. is a high and um that is i th- I think like I don't we don't really need to compare it I believe to like a, a vulnerability found in a completely entirely different system because in the end you give that report to the developers responsible for that page you know like the, that the developer group has not does not have to care about whatever other product with uh, issues had like do we really need uh, a, a company wide like scoring system uh, to compare it uh, yeah okay okay I mean uh that, that could be true it really depends on the um the organizational structure inside a company so it's going to be different depending on which company we are talking about uh, you know equal that your situation where you just speak with the, the system owner which is worrying just for their system and they, you know they will ha- they will handle just your vulnerabilities so in in that in that you know uh, scenario you are probably completely right at the same time, what I would, you know, I'm not actually a penetration tester myself, right? So I, I don't have that experience. But what I, I would probably suggest is for those penetration tests right there to, to use, you know, maybe your own metric that is most of the time more effective. Uh, I, I'm sure about that. But at the same time, if you can also, you know, try to uh, use the, you know, in case you need it, right? Uh, this will be the, the CVDSS score uh, that will be probably useful in some, you know, in some contexts. And um, I also understand what you said before, like it's difficult sometimes to actually g- give the, the right score with CVSS. But, you know, uh, as far as I know, there are, you know, it's getting also more complicated with the new version here. But the point is that you have a base score, which just tells you how bad is uh, the vulnerability itself. Like, you know, if this could be exploited remotely or if you need the uh, user credentials or, you know, if uh, it enables you to run code or if it enables you to, to do something else. So, you know, that is something I, I think you can actually score by yourself. Probably all of the additional scores is something that is too complicated. Like, as you said, you know, is there an exploit uh, available? Is this actively exploited in the wild? It's something that just you cannot know. 
you know, out of the blue <laughs> uh, from uh, from just a pen test, right? Uh, so probably you can give a, a piece of it, which is the base core, in, in my in my in my point of view. And for the rest, of course, it's it's a little too complicated just for for you as a as a penetration tester. Um, the the new version actually gives other additional scores related to you know if this affects maybe an OT device. So something operational, something that maybe you know it's it's actually um, uh, enabling a robot to move, something that it can actually affect potentially um, you know the physical life out there. It can be actually harmful uh, in a physical way, so that actually can increase the score. That like the other problem that I see is that the the, the score every new version of the scoring system it gives more possibilities to increase the score, right? I don't feel like we give enough possibilities to lower this score, always to increase it. So that will always end up with more critical vulnerabilities inside my, you know, never-ending list of vulnerabilities in my environment. So the problem mm -hmm. is when I have a thousand of vulnerabilities and a hundred of them are critical, I still have a problem, right? Uh, I understand we need to prioritize that medium vulnerability that could cause you know, arm to actually humans out there. And that medium is not a medium anymore. It's going to be high or critical because of that. But at the same time, still I have an issue in understanding, okay, which vulnerability I actually have to prioritize first. Okay, I feel that that's our own, uh, our own problem here. Yeah. I, I, I that, don't know if anything that makes sense of that. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. I um, and then, uh, that's what I find so difficult, you know, because now the scores are uh, changing a lot because of all these additional factors. But on the other hand, I understand it's important. Like if you do risk assessment and you want to assess like really the risk for your business, then there are lots of factors that um, affect the risk. Um, also, like the like this, that's the other thing. Maybe have you ever like done uh, node development, like JavaScript development? And in, in, installed some npm modules. If you if you install some npm modules and you run npm audit, then it gives you like a hundred of critical vulnerabilities in 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 yeah. the M npm packages. Like these are critical, but ninety nine percent of them or ninety nine point nine percent of them are not applicable to you. So even though they are critical, they are a zero because they are just like. They, they have zero, like you, you don't not interfacing with that vulnerability at all. So there's a, there's a critical vulnerability in a dependency, but that has zero effect on you. Like who is tracking this? Like who is responsible for realizing that uh, in your NPM packages uh, and, and, that, and that's a whole issue with scanners in general, you know, like maybe the reason why these companies have too much to fix is because they run some weird scanners that report on some dependencies that have zero impact on your business anyway. And now you're sitting there going through through list of criticals that have absolutely no effect on you. On top of it, um, oh, now I'm getting in rage mode. We have lots of CVEs <laughs> that are... Um, invalid that are simply invalid and fake mm. or made up or a person misunderstood it or i don't know what the problem was yeah. but uh then scanners reporting on those maybe and our company invest results to fixing it i don't know like uh i don't know how to uh but that's the, the problem is like this is my privileged view of a pen uh, from like a 
somebody looking for vulnerabilities, I have never been in that situation to actually yeah. manage the risk for business. So these are all just assumptions, uh, and I, I might yeah, make make very. You no, know, I just think it's uh, it's definitely too complex as a you know uh, as um, a thing to do. Right, uh, you are you're definitely right. It's not that simple to just give a score. It's easy to say okay, this is critical, but the, the point is. You know, this is not enough. At the same time, I, again, I don't know the answer. Which you know, how, how can we fix that? Um, but yeah, like I still appreciate the fact that we are trying to improve. You know, if there's a new version, it's it's because um, they, they they actually you know uh, realized something was wrong with the previous version. Of course, we will have a series of issues with this one as well. But still, if there's some you know dev development, I think you know. Um, and I hope at least that uh, we will be uh, a little, a little more, you know, uh, um, you know, just helped by by this new score. Something that I found actually interesting is the fact that apparently there's an additional metric to measure whether that that vulnerability, as a consequence, impacts other software as well. Like if you have a vulnerability for a um, uh, a very uh, common dependency for a, a lot of softwares, right? I don't know. I, I'm I'm thinking about uh, we had um, Log4j some time ago, right? Something that was everywhere. Okay, it was a very tiny piece of code, but it was ba basically everywhere, right? And the, just the fact that that piece of code is everywhere, it makes it makes it more uh, more critical because of that. Log4j was big at that time just because everyone was using it, also without really knowing it, right? So that specific thing, I think it's very useful. And maybe, you know, uh, I think definitely that's something uh, that uh, a vulnerability manager should rely on. Because if you cannot afford to fix everything, definitely try to make those few, you know, patches, those few moves that uh, cover uh, most, you know, most part of your environment, because the 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 you know uh, uh, the final goal is actually to reduce your you know uh, security uh, surface, you know your, your attack your attack surface, because we cannot fix everything. We know you will never reach a zero vulnerabilities in your environment, but still, if you can, yeah. you know, um, I do, find this interesting. I don't know. So, sorry, Ten patches. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really need to interject go, go, because go, go, go. this is. This is an experience I just don't have. Like I never had. I do not understand, and I can okay. I cannot believe that this is really that it is this way. That we apparently have vulnerabilities that we cannot fix all of them. Like I I if if anybody of you listening out there is working in exactly such a place, can I intern uh, with you like um, <laughs> for like a week or so and understand this because. I cannot comprehend how that is possible and how this could not be like properly dealt with. And then like how, how it makes no sense to me. Like <laughs> I hear this, you are not the only person no. saying that I've heard this many okay. times, but okay. I just cannot comprehend uh, that this is a reality and I want to see it. Like I, I would like this experience myself. You know, I will just give you my, my personal opinion. Why? And this is just personal, of course, on why that is true. And the reason why is, is this one. Most of the time, as a penetration tester, I think you are talking with people actively developing a system. Okay, we are in the process of 
you know, um, pushing updates every week or so. And, uh, and of course, if I get a report with 10 vulnerabilities or five vulnerabilities, I, I can do that. I physically can do that, right? Because I'm working on it. I have, I don't know, 10 developers working on that and uh, they are just waiting for the new, you know, tasks to, to implement. So definitely they, they can do it. The problem is that the very, very big companies, I don't know, a very big bank or, or something like that, <clears throat> has so many systems out there and, uh, at least 70 to 80% of them are not really actively handled by anyone. They are just there. Okay. Hmm. And uh, all of the effort yeah. of the developers, they, they are working on the very 20% of the new software for the new features or the new applications or those systems that get audited for some uh, you know regulations or something. All the rest is there waiting mm -hmm. for very the audit of next year. Right. Yeah. And if you I have, can totally see this yeah. happening. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. yeah thank you for sharing that. That makes sense. No, that, that makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. As, again, as soon as you I have a large company. Just, yeah. 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 Just, that's just a consequence of having a, or a big company. Right. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, uh, smaller companies with less you know, number, number of systems and, uh, you know, it's, it's much more easy. Maybe you don't have the resource. Maybe you don't have ten developers. Maybe you have just one developer working on three systems, and then that's get, gets a little complicated. But of course, it's different. Okay. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that was uh, uh, helpful and interesting for someone. Uh, I see some uh, some uh, comments coming there also from LinkedIn. Uh, by the way, we are actually this is the first time, but we're live on Twitch, YouTube, and LinkedIn, and apparently everything is working, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> uh, but that's kind kind of cool. So um, I see a comment there that could be interesting. So Andre is saying a uh, slog for J uh, in the Spring for Shell also, whereas still are two of the major vulnerabilities which have generated thousands of finding. Okay, but I think I think you're right. But at the same time, I think that's true just because, again, that piece of code was used everywhere. Like that was uh, uh, something that was useful for so many, you know, uh, software out there that just everyone was downloading the library and pushing it in, in their own system, right? Um, it's just um, just a consequence on how development today is, right? If everyone yeah. is downloading the same uh, piece of code, of course, the vulnerability will be everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, I have a little anecdote or like my experience being at Pentester about log4j, which might mm -hmm. be interesting to hear. Uh, yeah. I have not found log4j once in a client project. You would think that it's everywhere. Oh. I would find it. Okay. And I tell you why I don't find it, because that has also a very easy explanation. And that might also be the reason why I don't understand CVSS and all the issues okay. we just okay. talked about. It is because we are a fairly small team um, and uh, we deliberately don't want large customers like banks and big enterprises because they are mm -hmm. very difficult to work with with lots of documentation regulations and just a lot of paper pushing and so most of our clients are actually small companies and startups and startups mm. usually don't start developing like if a startup develops nowadays a web app like starting today nobody chooses java uh they yeah. they all are building on go or node.js or other stuff so yeah the i have seen like 
over my 10 years uh, doing pen testing, I've seen this evolution of technologies, like always the new technologies and the startups then choosing these new technologies. And that has led to the, the case where I very, very rarely get to test enterprise Java web applications. It does happen, of course. And uh, and then, of course, we, we I check for something like for j but um, I couldn't even tell you when the last uh, Java test uh, was. It's it's like, it's maybe, maybe it's like, once a year tops maybe once every two years or so so it's it's very rarely that we get it and i think that's kind of interesting to hear because most people obviously work in large corporations i guess and most pen testers probably have experience pen testing large corporations because usually the pen testing companies have incentives to have large projects and large um, you know like for a company it's obviously easier to acquire a hundred days contract versus 10 companies 10 days projects right as a company paying salaries to pen testers you won't have huge uh, engagements uh, contracts going multiple years or so so that's why most pen testers often test like uh, you know these enterprise stuff and then log4j and i don't know all these other java issues are something that they will have to deal with all the time but yeah for for me uh i, I live in this weird bubble of uh, the new technologies all all the time and so i i unfortunately i never encountered uh log for j i think you're actually lucky but i think that's my just my point of view <laughs> you know anyway uh it, it is very interesting it is very interesting like you make it clear how you know uh different contexts like the very small startups and the very big companies out there just use different you know uh um how do you say like technologies uh, yeah or solutions they, they just have different start points right if they use different technologies they have a completely different set of vulnerabilities maybe they don't have a list of very old vulnerabilities because of that and that's a, a good thing but of course a, a big company cannot just you know uh, no you know, of course <laughs> erase yeah. everything they have and start from scratch absolutely right? yeah just to, too expensive but you know very 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 interesting but i will continue like this forever but unfortunately we are already late on my you know <laughs> uh on my plan and we have uh, uh, a lot to discuss about so we need to stop here and continue with the uh with the next news i say hi again to all the people that are, are writing in the chat and are joining us um i very very appreciate all of you and Please continue using the, that you know chat to, to comment and ask questions and say how wrong I was in my last sentence. Um, that's appreciated, by the way. And once again, just want to remember everyone: if you are you know enjoying this, if you like the discussion, uh, if you like saying to me how wrong I was, uh, please uh, you know consider uh, hitting the like like share subscribe follow button just because you know it's very very helpful and just let me know that i should continue to do this and invite cool people like fabian together with me um that said uh we should continue to the next news which is maybe a little uh no, definitely different from from the previous one right uh so we we changed topic we stopped uh talking about vulnerabilities at, at least for a little bit and uh, this time um i actually like taking this kind of news right here where uh, basically you have some kind of uh, operation from uh, you know uh, agencies you know government agencies or uh, police um, from all over the world actually catching the bad guys right because i really think um and i i want you, i want your opinion on this 
that most people interested in the, in the industry that are not yet in the industry but are looking to to join the industry are really uh, you know um, um, fascinated by the thing you know the 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 hacker from with the hoodie that does all of this bad stuff without being catched just because you're too good at it and all of the companies out there are completely bad they're, they're they don't know how to do their work and everything and i i just like to remember you know sometime that still if you do it illegally this is still bad stuff this is still illegal and still you know you can be cached and uh, when you are cached it's not very uh, you know uh, uh nice <laughs> right something bad can can definitely can definitely happen and why just don't do it legally and being paid for it and i just don't see you know the value uh in that so if you are just thinking about that you know consi consider this, this little suge suggestion of mine um are glasses required in uh, in cyber they are asking i don't know maybe maybe they could it could be <laughs> i mean for me it's a new addition i've been wearing <laughs> them for like a year or maybe two years tops so uh, <laughs> i guess if you're not... getting old uh, then uh, they are required oh come on are you saying i'm old as well I had this from when I was 11 or something. So. Yeah, you are old, so well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, no, that's, that's not yeah. required. You just feel very, very uh, much cooler uh, when you... When it's you interesting. Them, so. It's interesting what you said about why not do it legally, because the specific artic article um, you, uh, you have been sharing here about um, that where the law enforcement took down a phishing as a service provider, so they they were basically taking down um, the the people that or the I guess the crime organization that was uh, running this phishing as a service, and at this point it's not really a hacking operation. It's really a web engineering um, um, operation because it's literally mm -hmm. um, phishing as a service is nothing is. It's just software as a service. It's another SaaS product that they have yeah. been developing. It's literally the same from a like a technological perspective the same as like a wordpress like hosting service yeah. like get your own wordpress blog or, or write your own blog or something just in this case the website displayed was a phishing website but in principle it's exactly the same technology um i guess more profitable because apparently they were uh, uh celebrating quite lavishly uh with yeah. the money earned from this but what i'm saying is like um there's there's like no crazy hoodie people here these are web developers basically and this the skills needed and used here are essentially web engineering um administration uh operations uh that kind of skill level yeah not only that i think they're you know most of them are actually entrepreneurs right this is mm -hmm. this was a company right no not yeah, exactly yeah. You know, a, a proper one or just a, the one we we usually think about but we, we we mentioned this multi you know uh, very often during the during this podcast the fact that cybercrime out there uh, it's it's now you know at least in I think in the 10 15 years developed in proper companies completely you know in any aspect right um, they have customer care they have developers they have uh, people People were just running the business, you know, on a high level. People were just, you know, discussing with customers to convince them to buy and everything. Uh, so the point is exactly what you said. Maybe it's not hacking, 
maybe it's not you know uh, maybe you, you could do the comparison with uh, the uh, very bad guy a hacker from from the movie and a penetration tester that just gets paid legally from it okay and just that's just the a single person, but when you develop from a single, let's say, consultant doing penetration tests to someone who just build a, I don't know, just to make an example, a vulnerability scanner, just because you can scale up your business and just sell a, a piece of software to a thousand customer um, instead of just running penetration tests one by one, that's the exact same thing with uh, something like phishing as a service. Um, which, by the way, if that's not clear yet. Uh, you know, phishing is just a, let's say, a, a technique in order to, you know, convince someone to click on a link or download a software from a, a phishing email or a phishing website with basically some fake thing disguised as something else, usually a legitimate thing, uh, just do on a, you know, uh, on a um, bigger scale where you just prepare the, the phishing kits, uh, they, they call it, basically the, site, the website is already uh, ready to be used. You just have to pay them on their platform, retrieve everything you need as a software and just push it to your, uh, let's say, <laughs> targets, right? Um, but that's that's completely, you know, all of those people working behind the scenes on this kind of uh, phishing as a service platform, they could have been working on, I don't know, uh, the next spotify or the next i don't know uh the next thing that was just potentially do money uh legally right okay maybe it's a little more complicated because you have to comply with a lot of stuff and and so on and so forth but you know why why do we need to 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 take the risk i, I just don't understand that just because you, you like to be the, the bad guy uh if you're a web developer you have a lot of work out there just looking for you and you decide so for some reason I, I i know that this is actually more difficult than that right you maybe are in a certain context that you know push you into something sketchy instead of the uh, the right thing uh, it could be a little more complicated but if you're thinking about it if you have some sketchy idea you know you can do a lot of money also you know with the uh, 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 you know, just a proper company without you know doing illegal and stuff. But again, could be a little naive for me. Just what I what I usually think about this kind of stuff. Um, so so yeah, I, I don't know if that again made sense, but I, I like to to say that. And, and so far, no one said to me, "No, you're you're stupid. You're saying something uh, completely you know um, stupid." So I, I'll keep saying it for now. <laughs> Okay. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as you said, they are entrepreneurial spirit. They identified a market gap or whatever the terms are. Um, yeah. They could have built the next, um, you know, like like Squarespace made making websites available to people without HTML programming experience. Um, this phishing as a service kit made phishing available to people that have no web development experience to set up um, their own phishing. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, they identified, uh, a, um, yeah, what's it called? The market gap? Is I mean, the you know, there was a need yeah, uh, yeah. in the market and uh, they, they just feel the, yeah. the need, right? And what I also find interesting, I guess it's obvious, but uh, sometimes it makes me sad. Uh, the police raided here a business 
or uh, uh, cybercrime operations that was nothing doing like nothing special in that sense right mm. it's just okay. phishing it just made phishing available it just phishing more accessible mm -hmm. to regular people that have no technical ability so there's no secret knowledge they had no crazy vulnerabilities like there was nothing uh, I, i don't know like sometimes i feel like if if, if the police has to take somebody down it's like a, they they like crazy crazy people or something i don't know okay, like okay, something, okay. something technically like really really cool but it's not it's like pretty almost boring uh it's <laughs> but, but, but showing that that is what cybercrime looks like uh yeah you know like this is just by making phishing more accessible you increase the amount of crime that is being uh committed uh, uh with that and that's why the police took it down by take it yeah. it By taking them down, you are not taking away uh, inaccessible technology. Like theoretically, you can still learn web development and set up your own phishing stuff. That is not uh, the problem. You are just making, but but you are making it less accessible, effectively less accessible. Um, and and apparently that's worth it for, uh, yeah, to take down. And apparently it has big impact because um, it was citing here also some reports um, about. Uh, There were high volumes of phishing um, attacks um, because of that that site. That's that's actually very a very interesting point, and I was thinking about it. Like, um, yeah, it, it is true that usually, like, if, if you just go, you know, uh, in a pub and just you know drop the word cybercrime. It looks very, very fancy. You know, you think about this very advanced guy that should be geniuses, you know, in uh, in, uh, in computer science or something. Whether it's it's actually, I think, most of the time, different, right? Most of the time, the thing is to make uh, make it much more simple for anyone to to attack and to breach uh, in organization defenses. And the point is, here is that. So it's not only that, it's not only the people who cannot do it themselves, right? It's only the fact that, you know, you have this phishing as a service, you have the ransomware as a service organizations, you have everything else basically as a service right now. And the point is that maybe you are focusing on something else. Maybe you are building the ransomware thing, so the very bad thing, and you just need the, uh, you know, the, the, the initial access, you know? An attacker actually has to do a, a, a list of different steps in order to carry out the attack and to reach out their goals, right? And uh, most of the time, the most crucial thing, the most important thing is actually get that first step hold inside the, uh, the network of the organization. And uh, so far, you know, uh, phishing is always being the, the, the best way to do it, right? Because, you know, humans are just... Uh, unfortunately, simpler to uh, to uh, to to attack than uh, than systems, the, the computers, and uh, maybe you are working on the rest of the attack, and you are just buying the initial access from from them just because they do it uh, effectively, right? Or maybe you know this this actually this organization idea, they were actually selling also just the credentials they were gathering. So maybe instead of the actual phishing kits, you are just buying the credentials you need to access that specific network and then you do the rest right mm -hmm. the point is that you're just making it making it simpler you're just making uh, other bad and criminal organizations 
um, outsource a part of their work so they can be faster, they can be more effective. You are just making the, the overall crime machine uh, smoother and more effective, right? That That's, you know, it's a completely uh, parallel world than the one we are actually, uh, you know, <laughs> living right now, but with uh, a set of different rules. Um, so... And you know what? You could have this all legally because there are companies uh, that basically sell that as a service to uh, law enforcement and other government <laughs> agencies, you know, the um, uh, government malware and hacking stuff. These are often also external companies that are just being paid. Um, they acquire vulnerabilities from researchers as well. You know, you know, like most publicly, I guess, the Rhodium with their buying list. Like, why are they buying these yeah, vulnerabilities? Yeah. Of course, they are using it or they sell them again to other companies that then develop the malware, de develop the, the the malware interface and kit uh, to be then used in engagements and stuff just legally with more regulations, I assume. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, the... the The kind of the same kind of work also exists in a legal setting. I guess the one yeah. company pays taxes and the other one doesn't, and I guess that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, that's most of the time, you know, the, the big differentiation, right? So yeah, now this is completely a, a very, very interesting, you know, discussion to to have. But again, we, we probably cannot save all of the people that are ready into those uh, those contexts. Uh, but everyone were, uh, you know, just developing their skills and thinking about a career you know you have a good a good career also in the, the legit you know business so uh, just make make a make a thought about it um so going going a little back to the to the news itself uh just wanted to see what else we didn't mention so um we we actually had an interesting thing is actually that you know This operation by the uh, police, actually, there, there's the FBI in there, Australian Federal Police, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's, um, you know, eventually affected some people in uh, uh, some some Malaysian people, right? Uh, were were actually arrested, and apparently, uh, I think one year one year before, there was like this um, this report from a, an in, you know um, an individual researcher. We actually uh, found about some people in Malaysia who were um, allegedly, you know, behind this kind of service. So it's it's interesting to see how you know the, um, you know, uh, I think they relied at least a little bit on that research as well, right? Of course, they, you know, police and um, agencies did their own research, but the fact that someone out there do some, uh, you know. Um, Uh, how do you call it? Mm, just some open research, just because you you want to, just because you, maybe you want to help uh, overall the the community, uh, can be also also helpful for something like that. Can be also helpful in uh, actually catching the bad guys. I think that's very cool. I think that's something that you know uh, there's a reason a reason why if you can maybe you should do it, right? Uh, maybe you're not in the police. Maybe you're not in the, into any of those agencies. But if you have the the skills and if you have the the possibility or also the time, of course, to do some kind of research like that, 
not, not only, you know, of course, shows to the world your skills and maybe can be helpful for your next job or something, uh, but it can actually be uh, helpful in something like this, right? Um, yeah, of if course, you, are, you know, if you are interested, yeah. yeah. If you are interested uh, in doxing people and this is fun to you, then maybe do it <laughs> to uh, uh, more bad people. Yeah, I mean, it, we should also mention that probably, you know, this also expose yourself, right? So, uh, also right. think twice Rather, before you do something. They like might this. be retaliate. Yeah, but but I think it's actually cool. I think, oh yeah, here it is. So, um, a cybersecurity expert, Gabor. I'm not going to to, to pronounce that, but Zatmari, uh, detailed in a three-part series of open source intelligence research how he linked with the high competence the operator uh, to a Malaysian, uh, you know, <laughs> living a, a life of luxury. So apparently, he was at least you know partly right. And uh, and I think I think that's eventually pretty cool. Uh, and uh, and again, thanks to, thanks to that researcher for for its work. If eventually was uh, was helpful for something like that, right? Um, so what else I wanted to mention about this? Uh, yeah, apart from the the platform itself, I, I don't know if anyone can see the screenshots from the articles, but. You know, apparently it was a pretty cool software as well, right? Uh, it looks actually very similar. Um, I made a video a while ago about, um, I forgot what the exact title was, but it was basically about a Steam phishing as a service uh, platform. Mm, um, okay. Somebody who um, was kind of like involved in kind of like tracking and reporting uh, these uh, Steam phishing domains. Um, okay. uh, he... Uh, got access to one of these groups and one of these phishing interface and was able to record like how to use it. And we were experimenting with it a little bit. Um, and I, um, and I, in, I included those videos in, uh, I included that footage in a video of mine. It says something about like hacking is not phishing or so is the title uh, of the video, okay. but it looks, if you, if you watch the video, it basically, if you scroll down a little bit, the, where you select the template for the phishing yeah. page, that's exactly how it also looked like in that particular case, it was just like all, steam phishing pages and it had like different uh ways to try to trick you into steam phishing it's also kind of like interesting from a scientific standpoint because uh if if you are the site operator you mm -hmm. actually get really valuable data on which template performs the best and <laughs> who like like i think that kind of data would be really useful for um um in terms of also defense like how like what are the most um uh, phishing templates that are just like working the best there are lots yeah. of small settings also you can usually make like how the phishing uh, login works like redirect the way to wikipedia have it uh, like a yeah. fake pop-up like i don't know there are lots of different ways and so i would be so curious to see like some scientific analysis of uh which which and why uh, mm -hmm. phishing templates uh, work better than others. Uh, I think that would be kind of interesting. Well, you know, I, I don't think we're going to, to see any of that, but, um, you know, the, the police actually seized uh, some or all of their infrastructure, right? Servers yeah, and... They have the data, there. for sure. Yeah, they have the data. And I definitely think they're going to analyze the data also to understand a little more but possibly to, to catch more people that were involved in uh you know 
not only uh, in uh, running the the the, um, the business here, but also you know in buying those services to then um, perpetrate the attacks, right? Because also of course that is illegal, um, and uh, they they now have a lot of data, and every time they see something like this. Uh, they collect a lot of data that can be then helpful to understand a lot of things. And I agree, you know, it will be very, very interesting to see uh, the result of those, um, you know, analysis and investigations. But at the same time, I don't think we, uh, you know, most of the time, at least we will ever going to see anything any like that. Um, just before we move on, I see here that there were actually some uh, mentions of uh, some, uh, uh, some of the templates you were mentioning before, right? And here you can see Microsoft Office, of course, uh, DHL, uh, Naver, apparently a Korea-based online platform, and uh, American Express, Bank of America. Of course, you know, banking and finance are very big in there. Um, you know, of course, you can directly go at, at people's money. <laughs> so that, that definitely makes sense. Uh, and another thing that I thought it was interesting, it's uh, that it's mentioned here, that they also provided some uh, um, some way to basically uh, fool and work around multi-factor authentication, right? Because you know, some time ago, uh, at least when you were learning, uh, especially online on, on open, you know, sources, uh, you will always see something like, okay, phishing is not a thing anymore because now we have multi-factor authentication, and if you enable that, that's not effective anymore. But actually, uh, I don't know if you uh, ever uh, spoke uh, in one of your videos about uh, Evil Engine X, and it's actually <laughs> I don't know, a little worrying how easy it is, you know, to deploy something like that, and uh, you know, also get you know the the, um, the one-time code uh, uh, to to use in the multi-factor authentication, and uh, of course that that's an open-source software, and of course open-source software is also used by uh you know bad guys as well which is something we're going to mention in the next news um so so yeah the, the, i think it's it's useful to be aware that something like this is uh is being sold you know out there right you have to know what's what's on the other side let's say <laughs> um okay uh i think I think it's the right time to go to the very last news for today. I'm sorry if we are a little late and hopefully that's not a, a problem for you, Fabian. <laughs> not at all. Um, perfect. Um, one last time, uh, again, I know I see some people still watching, so that's very cool. Thanks, thanks everyone. And thanks also to the people that are commenting in the chat. Um, if you're appreciating this, please consider, you know, uh, um, you're, you're watching this on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch. You have a little button in front of you to follow, subscribe, and everything. Consider to do that if, if no, um, just at least to, to receive the notification for the next video, right? Uh, because if you like this, maybe you will like the next one as well. Um, but yeah, that's it. Let's move to the very last one for, for tonight. Unfortunately, I will say because I, I'm enjoying this. Um, and this is this is a very different thing <laughs> compared to anything else I, I, I actually, uh, you know, took to, to any other episodes, okay? But I think there's something interesting to talk about this. Uh, so I'll try to, to introduce, you know, uh, 
uh, the article, but it's actually very big. And again, I, I, I'm going to drop the, the link uh, in the chat, in the description of the YouTube video once I re-upload it. Uh, so you can actually read it yourself because I think it's it's very, very interesting. And by the way, I actually find most of the time very interesting any article by Andy Greenberg. So, uh, you know, uh, thanks Andy. And uh, maybe uh, every that um, uh, he's, uh, he's other articles so the thing here we are talking about um i don't know uh how do you call it like a, a, an organization for animal rights okay uh which uh, are apparently very well known because of their um you know aggressiveness uh in uh you know um let's say attacking those companies who are you know um, handling animals in uh, any in any way and um, uh, you know they they of course uh, are being sued uh, every every now and then uh, for all of their you know uh, uh, intrusions, also physical intrusions in uh, uh, organizations' uh, buildings uh, to capture data, to capture you know photos, videos to to share, and uh, and do you know um, damages or just you know. Uh, let's say, steal the animals to, to make them escape. Um, so um, the, the real point that interests us in our context is the fact that, uh, you know, um, recently they shared a sort of manual, right, of all of their, uh, you know, uh, organization, all of their, um, uh, you know, tips and tricks <laughs> in order to run this kind of intrusions they do. Uh, for the reason they do it, right? Uh, they mention specific technologies they use. They mention, you know, specific tactics to use. And it's actually very detailed and very well done, right? It's something that really uh, apparently can be, um, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> if you don't know the, the context, it could be like a manual from a agency government, uh, a government agency uh, from some spies or something, right? Because it's very, very advanced. And it actually explains why they are very effective in what they do. Um, so there's a lot uh, shared in this manual, as I said. Um, the only thing that apparently was the, um, you know, not written there was the actual physical intrusion part. That's the only thing they thought, okay, this is a little too, too much to share uh, openly uh, on the internet. But every, anything else, like how to, you know, um uh you know uh, find the, the best spot to enter a a building or how to identify people like for with uh, you know a um thermal vision or night vision uh, uh technology and uh, uh fake uh fake cameras like uh hidden cameras that you can uh, disguise somewhere uh to to collect um videos and and so on and so forth now, the thing is, um, and I want this to be as open as possible as, as a discussion, because of course, this is a very specific context, but I think we can translate this to anything else. Like, is it okay to share this kind of, uh, you know, uh, techniques and tactics openly to anyone in the internet that can, can actually read it, right? I don't know if that's still... That already makes yeah. sense, right? Because I have a lot in my mind, but I don't want to yeah. push. I mean, 
for me, it's a very simple answer. Yes, I am very much in favor in general of information okay. being public. And I'm also like, for example, also about vulnerabilities and details of vulnerabilities. I'm leaning more towards like full disclosure. I understand like the importance of, uh, of responsible disclosure. And generally, I think that's the way to go. But um, like, I don't think that full disclosure is that bad, to be honest. Um, um, and so similar with here, uh, information public. I do have some nuanced opinions about uh um, I actually made also a video about um, this a while back about like what is allowed on YouTube or not, uh, which is kind of like similar about hacking tutorials, sharing them on YouTube. And actually I made an argument that I still stand by that the context where the information is presented is kind of important. Um, for example, I do think that a phishing tutorial um, on YouTube is kind of bad um, in, in terms of like how to set up a basic phishing page. Essentially, imagine a video where I just show people how to use the phishing service that we just seen before. Um, that will just increase crime and is not educational and does not really teach uh, hacking knowledge because it's just a crime tutorial at this point. And that's why I'm okay to not allow something like this on YouTube. However, as we also mentioned, a phishing page is, is just web development. So a web development tutorial, which teaches you exactly how to set up a phishing page, any web developer within the first like week of learning web development can set up a phishing page. Um, uh, that is not forbidden knowledge. Like that has its purpose on, on YouTube. So um, I think context of information and so forth matters um, in the way how it's presented. And so now the question for me is, in this, do I see this document as kind of like a, just help crime or is this um, more educational and provide like uh, um, uh, in interesting information? And I think uh, for me very clearly, it's, it's just like exploring ideas about their beliefs of what is operational security. It's not, um, you know, like in, in the end, they are just highlighting risks. It, it's, it's like not a tutorial, like how to rob a bank. It's it's just like, you know, the phones can be tracked. If you buy a burner phone, make sure you you don't buy it with your credit card that is linked to your identity and so forth. Like, it's just like these kind of ideas and thoughts. And I don't think that there's much harm done in that. Um, they are very logical as well. Kind of like everybody sitting down uh, can kind of come up with them as well. It's For me, it's like nothing uh, too like severe in, in that sense. But yeah, curious. You, you said you have some uh, thoughts about it. Do you think this is a problematic piece uh, and should not be published? Okay, so I I, I don't have like a um, a clear position about this stuff, right? Uh, I I do have opinions on, on both sides, but I I'll try to do the devil's advocate here. Um, like, let, let me let, let me think about it. Um, we mentioned this before, right? With the with the fishing stuff. Okay, it's not something difficult. Uh, if you do know something about, you know, um, uh, you know, development and uh, code writing, you can do it yourself. So it's not a big deal whether there's a phishing as a service out there because you you can do it on your own. Nope. The problem is that that thing is enabling a lot of people who are not actually able to do this stuff on their own. 
or suddenly you have like a a, a shortcut, right, to reach that that goal just because someone who is capable just pushed something in in the in the in the wild, right? So I am thinking I know that someone who is already capable, someone who knows already where to search for this stuff because this is not you know anything new. The, all of this individual information are probably out there in, in the internet already, right? But here there's a manual where you have 80% of the things you, you need to enter any kind of organization out there, okay? We need to ask, however, how effective and how good is that even? Because they themselves are saying that they love to draw attention, that they love to get criminal jobs yeah. just because they want attention. So how good is that document really? Um, is it maybe not just covering the basics and if you actually commit crime, then you are still pretty much effed up? Like, is, is, is that knowledge in there? Like, for example, I'll give you an example. I, I would generally agree with you that an, a, a, a guidebook can be, but then it needs to be more detailed. Like you need to, for example, you could sit in front of um, an airport um, and, and note down every time the guards, like where, the, where are they walking? How many police are there? At what time? Um, what are their rounds? When do they switch out? Where, which are the... Um, the dark corners that they are not watching, where are the cameras, like map all that. And then yeah. releasing that kind of information, that is like giving, like, I, I can understand that that is taking away, like that is giving criminals or terrorists like a, an, an amazing like okay. resource and, 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 and basically a clear plan. But this document is so much more generic in general, might be applicable to your country, might not. There are even some information that is maybe like not even correct, um, or um, like some assumptions. Um, for example, they assume things like um, everything you write uh, will be intercepted or heard by the police. That's just an assumption. Um, it's probably unlikely that the police is actually will be doing that. Um, or like just was just, I haven't read the whole document. I'm sure there are more examples. But I'm just saying, like, I, I think it's a very broad uh, document and I don't feel like it's a very, like, actually like, uh um, okay like, detail in that sense if i get your point correctly the thing is this is let's say um pretty high level it's not very specific about any let's say potential target it's, it's not like a it's not a data center it's not a airport it's not anything they are just giving a, a bunch of um, you know high level um suggestions let's say and uh, if you think, if if we think about that uh, in in this in this way, it's not too bad. Is this uh, did did I uh, you know summarize it pretty 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 correctly? Yeah. Or? Okay. Okay. Um, that might be true, but still going on the Devil's uh, Advocate thing. Um, what if this could be even worse? Just because it can be. Applicable to many different things, right? Whatever you want, basically, it could be even you know reused by as many different you know uh, thieves or criminals out there targeting anything, not just airports. I will even throw you a bone. Now that it's uh, okay. public, people could iterate over it. People like very knowledgeable right. in certain areas can now give feedback and say, wait, this is not quite how it works. By the way, this would be better. It could be updated. It could be a crowdsourced <laughs> uh, 
a document uh, being continuously updated and Im improved on also with like more sources and evidence you know based on this court case we know that this is the capability some people have or but you know it could it yeah, could be yeah, insane yeah. uh so yeah I, 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 I see already a github there with the versioning exactly. 1.2 1.3 version <laughs> no but you get my point right um it could be it could be definitely you know um uh, you know interesting on uh, on a list of uh, different aspects <laughs> at the same time i still know that any of this is not new probably it's just the effort of taking all those information and put it together in a single um piece of text and the problem is that you know when someone very very naive someone very very you know uh, uh thinking about doing something crazy uh, you know, it's just as simple as downloading just a piece of paper, just a, a single PDF or, or whatever it is, uh, to, to have most of the information you need to do something very, very wrong. Right? I, I see that's that's the very problem in there. Of course, no, tomorrow we will not see uh, thousands of different attempts to do something like this just because there's a single guide out there. But still, this is a step. I, I feel personally in the wrong direction, mostly. Like, I think... This is my, my, my opinion 60% of the time. And, um, you know, I will be, you know, I, I want to, to, to make it, make my state, statement worse. What if this is true also for all of the proofs of concepts out there, right? We, like, we have a lot of open source stuff that is EFSO, okay? I love open source. But what when we actually give the, um, the weapons. In our world, exploits are the weapons. We, we came to the, to the point where finding vulnerabilities is still okay, because that's the only way you can fix those vulnerabilities. So if we have you know, open disclosure about a vulnerability, it's a thing, because then you are forced to fix that vulnerability, and this the only probably the only way you can uh, you know, enhance your security uh, measures. But when you actually provide proofs of concepts just to show that you are, you know, capable of, of doing it, I'm saying this because at least some of the, those people sharing those proofs of concepts are doing this to show their own skills, right? Um, I think that's actually harmful. I don't think it's a good thing for from the industry if you provide, you know, the weapon to shoot at that specific hole in the, in I don't know, in the armor of the organizations. And I feel this is something like that, potentially a little worse. This is kind of the metasploit or I don't know, this is kind of the, <laughs> I don't know, uh, a toolkit. It's not a single exploit. It's a guide to use a list of different exploits to, for a list of different tar targets out there, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I do a, a very good connection with our world here because I see out there that red teaming is maybe finally becoming a thing in the industry, right? We have people which are paid, right, to actually try to physically penetrate some organizations. And I know a bunch of people who, are, who will be very happy to gather this guide right here and, you know, use most of those things for their own paid, you know, uh, activities and if those people can do it and will do it definitely some criminals can do that as well right technically we are simulating what 
we are trying to simulate what the bad guys are also doing. So if the good people are interested in it, I know for sure that also the bad guys will be interested in it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I hear what you are saying, but generally my position uh, is like this. Uh, generally, I want information to be freely accessible. I think we are not getting anywhere if we are uh, hindering that flow of information. It, it's... Um, I, you 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 somewhere draw a line, of course, um, and we ha somehow have to draw a line. But we could, I mean, it's a bit exaggerated, but we could argue programming tutorials are bad because um, if you if more people learn programming, they will understand vulnerabilities. Or my whole right. channel is bad because I teach um, <laughs> um, hacking to people. Um, chemistry cannot be taught in school anymore because people will understand uh, how how chemical reactions work and they are able to then make drugs or bombs um you cannot teach these things in university anymore um because you know there's advanced chemistry level uh, yeah. information so they will definitely be able to to make drugs and bombs um I don't know. Like, I, I feel like if we start like, and I don't want to, I, I use the word censoring lightly. I don't like to use that word much, but if we start censoring uh, that kind of information, I don't know. Like, I, I agree it will be effective kind of like lowering, I guess, the probability that something will happen and that it will be not used as much. But generally speaking, I am all for um, uh, spreading the information, but I will always be convinced like, based on like some data like if we see like a small uptick that is not worth hindering the flow of information but when i think about this is my example with the youtube tutorial about setting up a phishing page if you make a video about programming developing then you are in, uh, automatically building in like a barrier of somebody like having to deal with it but if you just explain to them go to this site there's a phishing kit pay five dollars and here set it up and you can like fish all these accounts then you get like a massive uptick in crime because you make it like easily more easily available. And I feel like we need to measure that somehow. And it, and at some measure, like the, the there's too much of a negative impact, and I understand to not allow it. For example, advanced drug making chemistry tutorials maybe not the place on YouTube, but it's probably okay in a university setting just because it's automatically a little bit more isolated. But overall, it's not. Uh, um for, forbidden um and but but even yeah i don't know uh generally speaking i'm always for more open information and i feel like attackers uh, defenders have to just deal with that um i mean this is a guide for law enforcement as well right we we must not forget this they are sharing all the details how they are operating that could make infiltrations into the group more easily could make surveillance more easily because now they have like a a book, exact book how they are doing it they know how what to expect they know the technologies they are using so um the information is also getting of course uh, to 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 the def defense um and so i don't know i i don't feel like a guide like this has massive incredibly like awful like great impacts i'm sure it will be used by some activists and so forth but to to like improve maybe their operations but it's not like something they wouldn't have done before. I don't think like this will create a mass of new groups just because of this or thanks to this um, now going out and doing stuff. Okay, I, I really wanted to 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 do the you know uh, devil's advocate, but you, you just convinced me. <laughs> no, the 
the fact is that I, I definitely agree with the, with the fact that we we need and we should and definitely open you know open information open education it's it's definitely uh, definitely important right i i think i i sh I, uh, I will not do what i do today without it right because I, I don't have any formal you know education or whatever you call it and definitely what i i am today what i do today it's thanks to all of those open source education out there uh, videos, guides, and whatever. So therefore, I agree with you. And um, I think the point where the two the two different arguments uh, meet in the middle is that it changes when uh, you change the way you share the, the same information, right? Like the, the example you did was, was perfect. When you teach someone to uh, to program, like web develop development. And you teach, okay, let's do our very first web page. Let's do something that looks like Facebook. Okay. If you do that in the context of a programming course, the reason and the purpose or of why you are sharing such information is still good. And I think you definitely should do it just because it gives you an idea of, okay, I'm programming something that is actually real that people out there are doing for for money okay the fact that i'm developing something that looks like facebook gives me an idea of developing something real and useful and not some just some uh random stuff without any sense right but if you do the same thing you teach exactly the same thing but you say okay this is the way you create a phishing page for facebook with login and everything you can steal credentials okay you're teaching the same exact thing maybe you're sharing on the same platform but it totally changes, uh, you know, um, I think everything. Because just the thing that I can Google for how to build, you know, uh, a phishing page for Facebook instead of how to build a website. The, the reason why I find, I'm finding that, that same information is different. And the, what I will do with that information later will be completely different. Right, so I think the purpose and the meaning behind what you are sharing, uh, you know, uh, completely changes everything. What I don't like about this kind of guide right here, it's because they are specifically sharing. Okay, to do the same illegal stuff that we are doing, that's very bad, but you should do it because we are doing this for for a better reason. I, I'm not judging. Like, of course, you know, you could argue that this is a a, a good point, like that you should do it because of animal rights and everything. But the point is that they are clearly saying, okay, all of everything you find in this guide is pretty much illegal. Here's how you can do it. <laughs> I yeah. think that's the bad thing, right? I I On agree with side, you. Yeah. So, yeah. No, sorry. No, just again, the same information are still out there already in mm. other forms and uh, mm. just maybe segregated, and you have to collect everything. But maybe it's good like that. It's good the fact that. Uh, you are interested in those things. You are interested in, I don't know, uh, uh, video cameras, very tiny video cameras that can be put, I don't know, also for security reasons in your home. And maybe you want to do that kind of research. But the fact that today I can search on Google how to enter a building without being noticed, I can find this guy. This is mm -hmm. the, that is the bad thing. Yeah. I, I think in this specific case, though, um, if, if it's really about like, 
helping animal rights groups and or like they want other people to do the same yeah. i feel like they would create such a document and share it with each, each other you know within the community exactly, they right. start circulating it but the difference here is they make it really public like yeah. the only reason why it's public is because they they want to make it like a media stunt uh and and yeah. get um again uh attention for their uh for their uh efforts um so uh yeah i I'm not sure where I was going with this point. I, but you're you're right about the the purpose thing. It's specifically calling for crime. And I understand that there is like a little bit of an icky uh, yeah. feeling, I guess, uh, alongside it. But uh, yeah. How do you feel about um, uh, these tutorials, how to break locks on YouTube? You know, do you, do you know the lock picking mm -hmm. lawyer? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually... Yeah, maybe I should not do it, say it openly, but no, I uh, I practiced like uh, for for fun uh, some time ago. Again, uh, I'm not sure. I think it's good for awareness. Like today, because I just uh, documented myself uh, on that thing, I know that most of those uh, locks that you can find everywhere are not really secure. So if I want to secure one of my things, maybe I should look for something else. That's definitely the, the good part I see in that. I don't see a reason why anyone should, you know, uh, teach themselves how to, to lock pick. It's, of course, if you're not in red teaming and everything, right? If you're doing it for 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 work and everything, but uh, or maybe if you're if you're actually someone who sells, you know, and work with the uh, locks in general, I think there's some value in that. But not so many people to justify open documentation or videos on how to, to do lock picking. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, again, I think uh, that's one thing. That's one exploit to maybe one specific lock. Okay? It's not a complete guide on how to enter any door or any secret thing. Because if I want to break in, into a bank, I will not find the very cheap locks that they, they show in the lock picking uh, videos. Okay? I will find something different. Okay, you can argue, you can see, I don't know, how to uh, <laughs> exploit, you know, the RFID cards or whatever uh, with uh, with some more advanced tool and everything. But again, you have to find the specific tool for the specific uh, thing that you are uh, going against, right? It's not something like a complete guide for everything. Th that's why I see it a, a little different. Maybe you are just, uh, uh, you know, a... Uh, uh, passionate about something maybe a little weird for the <laughs> global society. I don't know. I think we all are <laughs> as, as an industry. Uh, but it, it is different just because if you're teaching one, one single piece, it's, it's not how to become a criminal. You know, it's not how to breach a building or something. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you teach yourself how to open the door of your brother that wants to uh, wants you to stay away of their stuff. Maybe, uh, but it's not as bad as yeah. you know what they are teaching with the, something like this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I generally I'm like again very quickly we are starting to advocate for obscurity just hiding mm. some of the details um, and to achieve security through that. I think locks are a great example because um, they 
you know, it's it's very difficult, if, if my understanding, to build like a very secure lock. There are always like weird things that it might be vulnerable against. And it's, in the end, it's just a physical thing. And so with enough force applied to it, you can just pop it open, you yeah. know, it's like a, a hydraulic spreader or yeah. whatever, like <laughs> kill the lock anytime. And then maybe you put the lock on there, but you have the screws for the hinges of the door that you can just unscrew, you know, like, or you just bent open uh, the metal door uh, directly. Or you know what? There was a window. Let's just throw in the, the window. You know, like yeah. there are so many ways. Uh, and I, I think in, um, yeah, so, so like the information to obscurity and so forth. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I find this a bit too lazy. Uh, I think uh, let's, I, I guess, let, let's share the information. Hope that p humans are responsible and uh, mm -hmm. we charge the people that actually commit the crimes and not the people who, um, share the information about it. Um, I'm uh, I'm totally okay for these uh, animal rights people to be charged with trespassing. I think it's important for, uh, um, as much as I love the work that they are basically doing, but I'm also, and they know it themselves as well, that uh, um, they do something illegal. That's part of the, uh, the game. Um, and it's important that we have these laws and, uh, and so forth. And so we charge those, but I don't think that they must, they should be charged for sharing um, that kind of information. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I completely, I completely understand. I, I just think that I, I'm, again, mostly agree with you with everything. I just think that somewhere there has to be a line like where, okay, if, if you go over yeah. that, that's, that, that's bad. And I agree. But that line, I think, has to be informed by actual data. And mm -hmm. the, why I bring up the phishing case is that I know, like, I that, that's a paper I like to cite a lot uh, um, because I happened to stumble over it once. It's about, uh, it's a paper by Google where they were looking at the reasons why Google accounts get compromised. And phishing kits yeah. are the major reason why google accounts get compromised so you have actual data on that the reason why accounts get hacked or hacked is because of phishing so i think if you know that data and you know this is a real problem for my business i think then it's totally fair for youtube for example to block videos just straight up very easily step-by-step -step guide for phishing just because yeah. the data is there um but like writing a buffer overflow exploit or so like that is so obscure and niche yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that again like there's no data to prove it and I, and i agree with you there's a line somewhere but i want this line to be informed with data and not on what some people feel the line should be um the this line should be somehow informed uh, through some data and then i agree there's a line but um i, I want good reasons and um which generally makes my approach reactive. You know, maybe this document will actually cause a massive uptick. And then afterwards I say, yeah, okay, maybe you were right. That document should have not been public. But I, I feel like uh, we have to kind of like accept that as like a general societal risk as humans that, you know, this information maybe was bad. We didn't know it yet. Um, and then afterwards, you know, once we know what is where we should draw the line, then we will start draw the line then, you know. Um, but generally, if we don't, if we are not good informed about 
um, or have like good data on it, we shouldn't like judge too quickly. You know, I, I think you you completely, you know, you said everything. Okay, I, I don't have really nothing to add to that. Uh, completely agree, and, uh, and yeah, that's that's just true. Uh, the fact that uh, you know the line is is moving, is dynamic, is something that the more you uh, you discover, the more you um, you uh, you understand, you teach yourself, the more that line starts to be not really clear. And uh, definitely, it's just more effective to understand what is actually what is actually causing damages, or most of those damages, and put the line in there because you know it's effective to put the line in there. At that point. To actually, uh, one comment here uh, in in our chat uh, also reminded me of the the last one about the gunpowder just triggered because like this is applicable there as well. And so let, let's just trigger some uh, US people. Um, gun control, for example, is one of those things. Like there's a risk to having guns and um, maybe there we need reasonable uh, laws and restrictions and regulations about guns. Some countries um, entirely ban guns or have it extremely, extremely restrictive. And so, you know, like we, we assess like the damage that can be done and then make uh, decisions about uh, where we draw, where we want to draw a line to minimize the risk. We, of course, don't get rid of it completely. There are reasonable guidelines to where even in Germany you all can have guns. Um, and yet, um, you know, like we as a society politically try to find a line where we are okay with some risk and uh, damages, I guess. Um, but But also try to minimize as much as how that possible. We don't want to live in a society where everything is forbidden, nobody is allowed to leave the house and so forth just to stop every crime. We yeah. expect and accept a level of crime. And so, yeah, I'm just saying like, these are very interesting discussions and we can see them everywhere. Where, where do we draw the line? And I think that's equally applicable to like a guide like this. Um, uh, it, does it cross the line or not? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. It depends on the people you ask. I think we are, we are far away from the line with, with that guide. Yeah, easy, easy conversation when you have two people, both of them are from Europe. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let, let's retry this next time with someone from the US. No, anyway, again, I think it's it's a lot about you know adapting, right? You 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 do something and then you see what are the consequences of uh, doing or just uh, you know uh, uh, enabling people to do something, and then if that's definitely uh, bad you you maybe you know throw a line in there and uh, and yeah i think every organization every group of you know any society is is trying to do that right uh, and uh, uh, of course you know everyone is doing uh, is doing it a little different because they feel the risk a little different or just they developed uh, the feel for that risk in in a different manner so it's definitely a very very bigger uh discussion and very complicated uh but but yeah of course you know uh if all of us will think about let's just look at the data and see what it makes sense and what not i think you know and i think every every people with uh, with some scientific you know mind will think that's a good thing to do but of course it's not that simple unfortunately um by the way this was very, very, very fun. I'm enjoying this so much. And uh, of course, we are 
so much later than <laughs> they were when I when I planned. But I really think at some point we we have to stop, unfortunately. Um, Fabian, thank you so much. I will never stop thanking you, uh, probably. Uh, but thank you so much for all the people who are uh, watching this. This is probably uh, um, quite a, a record for 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 this podcast. So uh, uh, thank you, thank you, everyone. Again, if you if you enjoyed this, uh, consider you know sharing this with some uh, some friends. Um, this uh, this video will be re-uploaded on YouTube. The audio will be re-uploaded on the podcast platforms like Spotify and everything. Uh, so uh, you know, stay tuned and maybe uh, hit like, subscribe to to know uh, you know whenever a new episode is uh, is out. Uh, thanks again, Fabian. Hopefully, it was uh, fun and uh, enjoying for you as well. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. Thank you so much uh, for the invitation. Uh, it's also very interesting because I, you know, I read certain news and articles and having, you know, you provided me the list of articles, maybe I would have not looked at them or read them. So it's interesting to kind of like force, sounds so negative, but like <laughs> to, to look at some uh, news that somebody else finds interesting in the security space and then trying to think about them. So yeah, yeah. that was a cool format. Thanks so much uh, for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that's exactly the purpose of, of the, the project. You know, I, I, I'm forcing myself even to read more news just because I have to select the, the one that I think uh, are the most interesting. And still, it's not, um, it's not enough until I speak with someone, especially, you know, I look for people who are more experienced uh, um, uh, than me or just have a different point of view or just have a different background. This was perfect just because you have a totally different background than me. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, that's so much uh, uh, more uh, insightful, right? I learned so much today. Hopefully, all the people that are watching this are also learning something. Yeah. And uh, if, you, if you did, stay tuned for the next episode. Once again, thank you so much, everyone. And uh, uh, have a good night or good morning or whatever, <laughs> depending on where you are. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.